0: Welcome to Dad's Daughters and Dollars, a financial podcast for everyone. Now, here's
1: one of my favorite people. (laughs) I'm Sean, the dad, clearly the favorite.
0: And I'm Caitlin, the daughter. Clearly, my dad's mistaken.
1: Welcome back to Dad's Orders and Dollars. I am so <laughs> excited. Why am I excited? I am excited because my daughter texted me about five days ago, and it was hasn't with stop
0: talking about it since
1: with the MoneyChimp compound interest calculator, which I know I showed her probably when she was ten. It didn't really mean that much, and she's not making any money. And now she's making some money, and she's seeing how money compounds. And she put in uh, 41 years from now when she would be 65 and she was very excited with the number she saw, I believe. Right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Very excited. So, I mean, you, you blew through that, but basically the, uh, for anyone who maybe hasn't watched maybe our our earlier episodes or needs a refresher, the money chimp calculator is, you know, money chimp has plenty of different tools, I guess. And the one that I always use is their compass compound interest calculator. So you put in, you know, the certain numbers for what you, you want. You put and, in the amount of money you and, currently have yeah.
1: and then how many years you want it to grow. And then if and you're going to put in money every per, single year. And then the percentage you think it's going to make over that time. And it's a safe to put in like 7 or 8%.
0: And I liked my number and I... I knew from the second (laughs) that I texted you that you were going to be, oh my God, she likes the money chip calculator. Oh, compound interest. Oh my God. No, but the
1: the thing I texted you back was you get it. And the reason you get it is, and we discussed this in our very first episode of season one. And plenty of others. And it was the magic of compounding, which is we introduced everybody to the money chimp uh, uh, compound calculator. Or, you know, any compound compound calculator. And, um you get to see how your money can grow. So then you can set goals. And so my daughter put in a, a number of how much she thought she could put in each each year. And then it when it grew after 41 years, she went, oh, I get it.
0: Which, yeah, hopefully that number- It
1: helps you set a goal, right?
0: Yeah, it helps you set a goal, but hopefully I can, you know, manage- we beat to, that. We'll beat that, yeah. But I think just, you know- hopefully I can at least maintain that level of putting in as much as I set on the calculator.
1: One of the reasons I think you can maintain that is because over time your salary should increase. Just because of the cost of living, salaries tend to go up. They don't always increase with the amount of cost of living, but they tend to. Well, so that if I don't you know stayed at well that same amount.
0: Photography, but you know, if the cost of living goes up then maybe I'm not I can't put in as much, if that makes sense. You know, if the cost of living Goes up a certain amount. But
1: salaries tend to go up with it. Not as much as the cost of living, but they tend to go up.
0: Right. So if the cost of living goes up slightly more than my actual salary, then the difference between how much I'm putting in is might change. But the whole point is I put in a number that I felt, you know, okay about. I felt pretty okay about and I didn't think was too much of a strain on me or, you know, hopefully how I make my life in the future. <laughs> so, right. but today's episode, hit um, me with it.
1: Uh, it's about why you shouldn't time the market. So we're talking about market timing today. And this is one of the things I wanted to teach my daughter, which to never try and time the market. So what is market timing? Yeah. Market timing is a strategy where an investor tries to identify what are the best times to buy the in the market and what are the best times to sell. So,
0: okay. And that's like a very definite term. I feel like... It, that That is it, but it's also, okay, the Apple came out with their, you know, they had their new thing. So let me, you know, invest more in Apple because they just made something that's huge. You don't know if it's going to tank. You don't know if it's going to skyrocket. It, I feel like it's, you know, let me you're invest. Guessing. Yeah, you're guessing. A lot of it is, you know, I guess based around events, I feel like is kind of sometimes how market timing is. So
1: 100% based on.
0: Yeah. So basically you're now advocating against that.
1: I'm totally advocating against that. Why? Why? Because you have to be right twice. You have to guess, oh, the market went down. And by the way, when we say selling or buying in the market, when you sell, in general, people are saying, okay, uh, if I own $100,000 worth of investments, and it's in various things, oh, I own some Apple, and I own a mutual fund, and I own some bonds, I have $100,000 invested in the stock market. But I read over the last three days that the stock market's going to go way down. And oh, I just heard we're in a recession. Oh, and I heard we have a pandemic. And you hear all this bad news. And so you say, I'm going to sell. And what you want to do is sell whatever you can get and put it in cash. Meaning like, okay, I've sold everything I have of Apple and everything of this mutual fund. And now I just leave it in the brokerage firm in, in cash. So let's say that hundred thousand after the market going down is now worth eighty five. So you're like, well at least I have the eighty five and you keep the eighty five thousand in cash. Yeah. And the next time when I see the market starting to go up, I'll reinvest because I don't want to get stuck. It goes down to twenty five thousand. I'll feel really bad. So that's
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because I cause that's I,
1: trying to time the market.
0: Because just for you know, everyone listening to to give a sense of context, my dad has always taught me to never time the market. You know, I think one of the things I said previously was like, it's like going to the beach and just letting the waves crash. Some of them are higher than others. You know, it is what it is. You just got to stay there the whole time. Right. Enjoy your entire day at the beach. I guess is how I like to think of it. But I didn't think of it from the aspect of, oh my gosh. This is, you know, I have $100,000 or I, maybe it's $10,000, maybe it's $1,000, you never know. And it's going up and down. Well, that $1,000 now, it's now 850. I've just lost, uh, you know, $150 150. or, you know, however much I feel terrible. It It could get worse. It could get worse. And so that instigates a sense of panic versus me. I go, oh, well, now is the time. I don't want to give anything away, but now is the time to invest because things are lower. But, you know, maybe that's not the whole point, but... I know that it's always going to eventually go back up because of the things that you've taught me. So, Correct. not to upstage you. No, you're not you? upstaging
1: me. So, but you have to be right twice when you market time. You have to guess when the market is low and, and when you, it's
0: going to go back up.
1: No, and you also have to guess when it's high. So, let's say Apple you bought at $100 a share and it's gone up to $280 a share. So you've you just made- you keep you made $100 $80 a share and you own 2,000 shares, you're like, wow, I'm going to take all that cash and I'm just going to be in cash. And then next time I see an opportunity, I'm going to try and buy either more Apple or whatever, but I'm going to let the market go down and then I'm going to pick the perfect time to get back in. So I'm trying to sell it high and I'm trying to buy when it's low. Well, it's close to impossible to do that. There's no one who has consistently done that Ever. People do it, and they have some marginal success. So they, these 4% of people had some success. But their success doesn't last forever. Yeah. Do you know what day trading is?
0: Yes. I feel like we have a family member who day trades.
1: Oh, aren't, I didn't, I didn't know that.
0: Aren't there uh, stock, aren't stock brokers people who, you no, know. No,
1: that's, that's not necessarily day trading. Day trading no. is you're literally. I lump them all. You're literally buying and selling on the exact same day. Got it. So you. At 11.01, you saw something dropped 4 cents a share. And you're like, I'm going to buy 30 shares. And now, 18 minutes later, it's gone up 5 cents a share. You say, I'm selling those shares. And it made a penny a share 18 minutes later. Uh,
0: for those who obviously can't see us right now, I'm giving my dad a, a weird... Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a stink eye I'm giving you, but what?
1: People are constantly following the market, and they are buying and selling every day, and they might make... 50 transactions every day. They might make 10, whatever. But they're trying to find the tiniest moves in the market. I'm buying at 11.01. I'm selling at 11.19.
0: So let me ask then, and this is just a, you know, my mind going to places. Is that what they do at the New York Stock Exchange, or is that completely different? No. No. Day
1: traders are 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 trying to find some little... Something in the market where they can make money, whether it's okay. going up or going down. So they're always trying to find some little uh like inside thing they are, can
0: find. Are day traders like on Wall Street?
1: Uh they can be, but a lot of them are just like amateur investors at home. Got it. Okay. I got yeah. let I me explain this. Hold on to it. Well over ninety percent of day traders go broke. Woo! Because but they're coming. Give us that percentage again, Dad? Well over ninety percent. Woo. Or they fail. So, But the bottom line is, you have to guess. I guess it's going up. I guess it's going down. I guess it's at the top of the market. I guess it's at the bottom of the market. You can never fully know. And I'm going to give you now 15 examples, or not 15 examples, but I printed this out, but I couldn't believe this when I read it. I have two charts in front of me. One says the 15 worst days since 1950. Then I have the 15 best days since 1950. Okay. Two of the 15 worst days came during the year uh, 2020. Really? Two of the worst days? In the stock market in the last 70 years. Came in 2020.
0: Well, we knew 2020 sucked, but there's just more evidence for you.
1: Well, I'm going to disagree with you that 2020 sucked.
0: Okay. Well. All right. So let's 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 do this. It did suck. We're just gonna fully on this podcast endorse that 2020 sucked. So there you go. So
1: on March 12th of 2020, the stock market went down 9.5 percent.
0: Okay, and that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's nearly 10 percent.
1: So what happened on March 11th, the day before? Tom Hanks and Reader Wilson got tested positive for coronavirus. The NBA shut down for the season. The MLB shut down, Major League Baseball shut down. The NCAA said we're not doing any basketball Final Four. Um, It was the worst drop since 1987, which is the worst one-day loss. 1987 was the worst one-day loss uh, in the last 70 years.
0: Right, yeah. I'm looking over at his papers now, and that that was pretty bad. So
1: So it went down. So let's say on, on March 12th, it's 10 in the morning. And where you live in California? So, uh, at one o'clock our time, which is four o'clock New York time, is when the stock market closed. So you go, oh my god, it's going down. Um, I don't know exactly what to do. What the heck? I'm going to sell
0: you. So you sold everything, and, and now you it's had a hundred thousand. You had a
1: hundred thousand, and it went down to eighty two that day. And you go, oh no. And I, at least I had eighty two. At least, yeah. At least you, you got have eighty two thousand dollars cash in your brokerage account that someday you'll get back in the market. <laughs> The, one of the highest days of, so we said one of the lowest days ever in the last seventeen years was March twelfth of twenty twenty. What was one of the highest days of the last seventy years in twenty twenty? If if March twelfth was one of the lowest, what was one of the highest? Are
0: you gonna spin me around and say it was March thirteenth? I mean, yes, I
1: really- March thirteenth. It went up nine point three percent. So whatever you lost in the day before, you had to now guess when you woke up on March 13th, you know what? I think this is the day I'm going to make a bunch of money. I bet you it's a perfect opportunity to buy. So that $82,000, i am going to reinvest it today.
0: So basically- What are the chances
1: of someone doing that? Yeah,
0: probably not. Um, let me just ask that 9.3% change. The difference between the two was- a is at is 0. .2. So but it went down just 0. .2. 0. .2. I feel like that probably happens nearly every day.
1: Well, it could go, go up. Up
0: 0. .3, up, down 0. .2, up 0. .1. You know, it it's It varies. It varies, but 0. .2 is not that much of a difference. Nothing. That's not going to shock a, a day trader or someone who's trying to time the market. Exactly. So basically when that person who took out on March 12th and said, "Oh my gosh, at least now I have $82,000, they are kind of now, they permanently lost that eighteen, 18 grand. grand because had they just left it in the market, maybe they would have only lost, what, .2 would be $2,000, $200? Well, th- yeah,
1: two point, no, it would probably be
0: $200. Okay, yeah, because that's crazy.
1: That's crazy. Right? So, but emotionally, you're like, it's the worst day. I'm sure it's going to be, the next three months are going to be terrible. People are saying it could go for two years. The next day, it went up 9.3%. One, the second highest drop ever in the last 70 years was March 16th of 2020. It went down 12%. Everybody's like, well, now it's real. Yeah. Now it's real. On March 24th, which was 12 days later, the market went up 9.4%. There was one day, and I'm not going to say the full amount, where, because I just stayed steady, I didn't invest when it got lower, because I wasn't working, so I didn't want to take any of our savings and start to put it in. But if I was steadily working, I would have probably investing when it went lower. Well, but I would have been investing like, oh, every 20th of the month, I'm putting in X amount, whether it's high or low.
0: Yeah.
1: And so one day I made pretty high six figures in one day, because of such low drops. And, and then, then it such just rebounded
0: high. back up. Right.
1: But what did that really mean? At the end of the day, maybe I made $10,000 between the really low drop and the really high going up. But I made a very high six figures on one day. And I'm like, this is nuts. I can't believe this is happening because of all the emotions of is the pandemic going to shut down the economy, the world economy for a really long time? Right. Now, you said, well, last year was a terrible year, meaning 2020. It was. There were a lot of people died. Pandemic, you know, it hurt the economy and stuff like that. You know what the stock market did last year? In total? Yeah.
0: I, I don't know.
1: It, the S&P 500 went up 16%.
0: So, so you're saying from like January 1st, 2020 to December 31st, 2020, the S&P 500 went up 16%. Correct. So that's crazy because you feel like when the economy and everyone is doing bad and no one can contribute to the economy, no one can put food on their table or a lot of people can't put food on their table. Um, You know, it, it, it gets harder to, you know, okay, then that's affecting grocery stores. That's affecting bigger chains. That's affecting, you know, huge companies left and right. Um, So that's kind of crazy that it still went up. I mean, it's insane that it
1: still went up. I think
0: I saw an article, which I'm, sure someone who's listening also read the article that jeff bezos earned i don't know how many billions of dollars it was last like 60 year and, billion and yeah and net worth and oh. now you know probably part of Elon Musk's growth happened in 2020. And he is now apparently worth more than Jeff Bezos. I think he's worth the richest man
1: in the world as of this podcast today.
0: Yeah. He's like 180 billion and Jeff is 168 billion sixties and
1: uh, something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a, I can't even understand that number. So, but the fact is, is like they did well and therefore the stock market did well. And therefore people who are invested in either individual stocks, even though I know you don't vouch for that, but mutual funds, people who are invested in the entire market, in the entire haystack. Those are people who are still, you know, made some.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because they didn't try and time the market. They just like, I didn't invest, I did invest a small amount probably in May. I don't remember the exact month and it went up. But I wasn't, even if I did nothing, that was better than going, give me my 82,000 and right. let me try and find the perfect time. Here's a here's the thing, one of the points about not timing the market. There was this study that even economists can't predict recessions and corrections. So what's a recession? Recession is when the economy decli- declines. And a correction is when the economy goes down at least 10%. Yeah,
0: I think everyone probably listening remembers, uh, what, two 2000- thousand. Eight was it officially two thousand no, did it s- when 2008
1: did it s- is when we had the housing crash right okay and there was a huge recession.
0: yeah I remember those couple of years and how that affected us and everything so
1: so but they did this study in 2018. there were a hundred and fifty three recessions across 63 countries and economists across the world predicted only five of them
0: Wait there were okay. They only 153
1: five. recessions. So the economy declining in various countries. This was a study done across 63 countries. So probably Italy and France and England. Oh, and-
0: so some countries had two recessions or more.
1: Oh well, yes. Yeah. But
0: And they only predicted five.
1: They only predicted five out of 153. Add- so these are the geniuses. <laughs> that we should listen to when you turn on CNBC these are the geniuses we should listen to they can see the future no, I'm no they can no i
0: know that's the whole point but out of just out of curiosity uh did the study say which five they were able to predict
1: uh, no i didn't read that oh okay so but if we're looking you, up. let's say they did predict those five i'm going to not listen to any of their advice cuz they missed the other 147 or whatever it was yeah, 148. 48. yeah. yeah. Um, so, but if these are the geniuses who tell us when it's time to be in cash and when to invest, they got it all wrong. So if you don't do anything, you're going to do best. And which, you know, we've talked about before about timing. It leads to emotional investing. And when you do, when you let emotions take over, then you're buying and selling at, not based on any sort of educated decision making it's all based on emotions and you're bound to lose
0: yeah i think i remember when i told you um there's a good friend of mine who i think had a parent who who did that who saw 2020 and was scared and then kind of said that's it and yeah he i don't know how much he took out if it was all of it if it was a little bit of it it seemed like you know it might have been a good chunk that was taken out but you know, I think that parent probably represents a handful of people in 2020 who said, oh my gosh, you know, this is terrible and wanted to take out the money. But it makes me wonder if that's how some people still are living because, okay, I got my 82,000, I can live off that for the entire span of the pandemic if for some reason, they're the kind of person who has everything of theirs and, you know, they don't have anything. They don't right. have a an emergency fund. Their emergency fund just was always growing for them. And so they just kept it all in the market. And, you know, that might be some people's argument for that. But, um, you know, you're, you're a proponent of obviously having an emergency fund you can access at any point. Correct. <laughs> um, and and
1: then not touching what you do have in investments. Right. Yeah. Not touching them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So here's the other reason why you shouldn't time the market. So a lot, and I don't know the exact percentage, of all the trading that's done today is done by computers. So you might have a computer that whatever, uh, not Smith Barney, but like a Goldman Sachs has, and the computer costs $500 million because it can make, there are over 9 billion shares traded every day. And so this thing can make, in one minute, it could make 21 million trades across the world. So it's doing this all based on algorithms. So every time it does that, and if you're watching CNBC, people see it go up and they go down. And, oh, now's the perfect time. Oh, now's the perfect time to go into cash. Now's the perfect time to buy. And you keep being told this by this constant flow of information. You know, I'm not a big fan of 24 hour news because right. I don't think we need it 24 hours. Six hours a day, yeah, okay, but not 24 hours a day because we're constantly being emotionally trained to react to something, and we don't necessarily have to always react. There are times we do, but there's many times we don't, and I think the majority of the time we don't need to react. So if these computers are doing all these algorithms, they keep like trading as quickly as possible because they're trying to find some little part of the market they can invest in that's going to make them money. People see those shares and this what it costs to buy them or how they're going down, and they react, and they, they sell because they're just human. All right, so what should you do instead of market timing? What would you guess?
0: Uh, just let it hang out.
1: Well, just let it hang out is, is definitely a good choice, but you can also dollar-cost average. Now, assuming you're not in a pandemic and you were working regularly, but the market's going up and down, up and down, I would say for at least 20 years... I was investing and I had it done automatically through Schwab. They were taking a thousand dollars out of one of my accounts and they were invested in three different mutual funds every month times 12 months times 20 years so that's twelve thousand times 20 is what two
0: forty thousand yeah sure
1: so ten times twelve thousand is 120 so it'd be two forty thousand. So I just kept putting it in, and the markets were going down, and the markets were going up, and I didn't care. I just like I just religiously because I believed in the three mutual funds I was investing in. I'm
0: going to assume you stopped doing that because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, but I because I started doing SEP IRAs, and now I have a Roth 401k and stuff like that. That I I just whenever I pay out salary through my company, I just automatically max out my 401ks. I just automatically do it. So, but you can dollar-cost average instead of market timing, and you just need to have some courage that whatever you're investing is the right thing. Um, You know, and and one of the things I invest in is index funds, so I always, you know, we talked about that, and we don't have to go over that because we went over that in a different episode. But I'm going to give you one last thing. I know there's been a million people have said this, and it's probably been said on 100 different podcasts, but I'm going to tell you also. Your time in the market is better than timing the market. So the length of time you spend in the market, so when I say I did 20 years times $1,000 a month and every single month, so 240 months of here's $1,000, that time in the market is 10 times more valuable than trying to say, oh, let me try and get my $82,000. Oh, now's the perfect time to buy. Now's the perfect time to sell. I'm going to make a profit. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's been proven over time that the numbers show you're going to lose.
0: Mm, yeah,
1: And then here's my last point about market timing. And I'm going to call this how I'm always happy about investing. Well, how's that possible? The market goes down. There's, there's days I've lost six figures. When the market goes up, I feel good because my net worth is higher. When the market goes lower, I feel good because I can buy stocks at a discount or mutual funds or index funds, whatever – I can buy things lower. Do I buy every single time the market goes down? No. But if I steadily go, okay, I'm going to invest today, or I'm going to invest the 20th of every month, or I put it in my reminders in my calendar, oh, uh, in five days you're investing. So I, I might look and go, I have three index funds. Which three? How much do I want to put in each one? And I just do it religiously. Right. Yeah. But I'm always happy when I invest. I've learned to train myself to not care about the ups and downs. And if you can do that, you're going to come out really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is just a generational thing or because of what you've told me for years, but when I see things go up and down, I don't really... React. Yeah, because it's not like, it's not something physical. Like, I don't see the piles of money going up and down and like, oh... The, there it goes. It just disappears into the ether. You know, I,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not like the cash is sitting at your front door and then somebody comes and takes 20, 20, of the dollars away. Right. And the next day they put back $17.
0: Yeah. I it's, I don't see it like that. It just seems like a whole bunch of numbers that I'm not even really going to touch for some time. Cause the whole point is, is I shouldn't touch it. The whole point is, is that, you know, only if I, if there's an emergency an emergency beyond emergency, beyond emergency, and any funds that I have that can't cover it, okay, then that's when I have to like, okay, and maybe listen, I sell some. By the way, that's but,
1: fine. You, you you can't feel any guilt about doing that. Yeah. But the the bottom line is that if you've learned this lesson about not timing the market this early in your life, holy moly.
0: Well, so how many uh In any of the research you did, are there a lot of day traders? Are there a lot of amateurs? I
1: don't know exactly how many day traders there are, but I did read a thing that well over 90% of them do not succeed and eventually go out of business.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm not one of them, I guess, because hopefully I won't even be in that equation.
1: Because imagine
0: the 10% who do successful. or It's not even 10% because you said it's over 90. So imagine the the 5% of people who do well. I won't even need to be in that five percent because I'm not ha- even stressing about it.
1: We had no a, a uh, neighbor he used to day trade and he was Ooh. telling me Yeah, uh, yeah. You was, just tell me later, but I'll tell you later. So I didn't and know that. he just was telling me, You gotta do this, and here's the software program, and here's the guy, and I took his class and the class is not that expensive. And I, you know, today I mean, you know, fourteen hundred dollars and everything's so great. Eighteen months later he stopped and he was like looking for a job because he had lost so much money.
0: Yeah. That's
1: rough. Yeah. So, I mean, that's terrible, but I mean, I, uh, you know, the whole point of this is that if you learn not to time the market, you, you've learned one of the best lessons you could ever learn that I could ever teach you in terms of finances. And I'm so happy that you got it. And I'm so happy that you sent me that text with, it showed the numbers of what in 41 years it with compound interest, your account would be like, and I was like, Wow. From the
0: minute I sent that text, I knew you we'd were be gonna, discussing it. Yes, well, not even on here, <laughs> but just you're, you know, a month from now, you're going to go, oh my gosh! Like, did you do money chimp again? Did you did you do the calculator? No, no. no. Go, eh.
1: If you did money chimp once every eight weeks, you would go, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, see, I'm not even, I'm not even going to do that. I'll probably, you know, once do a it. year. Yeah, I'll do it like next year. You know, see how it is. It's it's made. From when I graduated college to now is more than I would have thought.
1: A lot uh, more, right?
0: Considering we went through a pandemic. So it's like. It's nice.
1: Well, one of the things that. It's reassuring, The compound interest calculator really helps you do is if you put in, I'm going to put away $2,000 a year. And you go, well, well, let me see. What if I could do 200 a month? So I'm going to put in, I put away $2,400 a year. And then you click calculate with the percentage and the amount that you already have in. And you go, oh, so I'm going to try to find a way to put in 200 a month and not just $2,000 a year. I'm going to try and put in 2400 a year. And you, you go, okay, then I, I have a goal to work towards. Yeah,
0: goals are always good. And we always like completing goals, finishing goals, especially, you know, can start a couple now that it's the new year. I don't know if anyone has resolutions or anything like that. I haven't decided on mine. A little couple. I'm a little late on it. It's okay.
1: Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Please subscribe to Dad's Daughters and Dollars. Uh, We are so grateful to all of you. We're now in 10 countries. Uh, We're being approached by sponsors. It's really, really nice. And um, thank you so much for all your help. We really, really appreciate it. Yes.
0: Thank you. And we will see you next time. Take care. The content on Dads, Daughters, and Dollars is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional financial advice. Listeners should consult an attorney, accountant, financial planner, or other
1: professionals to suit your specific needs.